0: you're listening to the law of attraction radio network are
1: you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes it's time for power and a half hour with coach mark get your notebooks ready he's about to go in five four three two one coach mark let's go thanks for tuning in thanks for tuning in this is coach mark and you're listening to power and a half hour in the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today simple as that. A lot of people have ideas, but there are few who decide to do something about them now. A lot of people have ideas, but there are few who decide to do something about them now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today. The true entrepreneur is a doer, not a a dreamer, and that's from the founder of Atari, Nolan Bushnell. The title of today's show is "Time for Action." I want to thank everyone for listening. Want to remind you, you can always go back and re-listen to any of the old shows at www.powerhh.com, or you can find me on iTunes in the podcast section. Let's do a search for Coach Mark or Power and a Half Hour. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is the Real. Mark Star. That's the real M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R on Instagram. It's at Coach Mark Speaks. I have a daily message service for all my listeners in the United States. To get those messages for free, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to four one one two four seven. 247 And if you have had not had the opportunity to download my book, you can download it for free. Free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right, we have a great show today, so let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one Jim McCann. Now, Jim grew up in Queens and his family had a small business. His dad was a painting contractor and he worked for him as a kid. He learned how to do plumbing, carpentry, and all types of electrical stuff. Jim initially planned to be a policeman, so he enrolled in the John Jay College of Criminal Justice at the City University of New York. At night, he worked as a bartender. One day, a friend of his told him about working in a group home for boys, which intrigued him. So in 1971, he went to college in the daytime and went to work for St. John's Home for the Boys in Rockaway, Queens at night. At the house, he had his own room and lived there with 10 teenage boys. This was a great learning experience for Jim. After graduating with a bachelor's in psychology, he went on to become an administrator and continued working with the home for 14 years. Soon after, Jim got married and he and his wife started a family. Because he was working in the nonprofit sector, he barely made any money, so he had to go back to bartending at night. Now, one of his customers at the bar that he was working at had a small flower shop that he was thinking of selling. Jim figured that he could scrape up enough money to buy it and asked if he could work a few Saturdays to see if he would like it, and he did. He loved the smiles that people had on their faces when you put together a bouquet for them. It was a simple-to-understand business that required low capital to start. At the time, there was no big franchises in the flower business, so he bought the business for $10,000 with the intention of building it into a big company. It was 1976, and he kept working full-time at the group home while learning the business. Jim knew that he wanted to build a chain and was always on the lookout for another location. Every six months, he would open up another store. Although he was able to expand, the retail industry was tough, and flowers were definitely tough because they're a perishable product that has to be delivered, and you're required to know the craft. Jim was the oldest of five children, and he recruited his entire family to come and work with him. After 10 years in the business, he had over 20 stores, yet he was still working at the group home. He figured that it was about time that he started working in his business full-time, so he left the group home. In the early years, cash was his biggest challenge. What he knew about the business came from the advice of his family at the kitchen table. He didn't know anything about venture capital or bank lending. It was the school of hard knocks. Jim says that during this time, he discovered that it was possible to work like there was no tomorrow through a holiday period like Christmas and still lose money. His company would hit January when sales were slow and they still wouldn't have the money to pay the vendors. He soon found out who his friends were. By 1986, the business had figured out how to buy better and deliver the flowers more efficiently. One day, while he was taking a shower, he heard a radio commercial about 1 800 Flowers, the first company where you could order through an 800 number. He contacted the company and became their New York florist. In the beginning, it was great. Then the order stopped coming. Jim flew to Dallas and discovered that the owners had raised $10 million but had to stop operations because they didn't have enough business. Jim offered to buy what was left of the company for $2 million. At first, this seemed like a great deal for Jim, but he made a huge mistake. He didn't hire any corporate lawyers, accountants, bankers, or do any due diligence. He just gave the sellers all the money that he had. What he didn't realize was that he also assumed all of the company's debt, which was $7 million. Instead of buying the company for $2 million, he would end up having to spend $9 million. He made a huge mistake. Jim ended up getting his shop, gutting his shop in Queens and made it a telemarketing operation. The business didn't take off as they got less than 10 orders a day. He talked to friends and mentors and they all told him that his best option was declaring bankruptcy as that would give him a fresh start. His grandmother, who ran the family painting business, gave him some different advice. She said, we don't do that. Figure out another way. So he went to everyone who was owed money and asked them to trust him. He paid off those investors who didn't want to continue with the business, but most of them decided to work with him. Over the next five years, they worked hard and the idea finally caught on. To dig out of the hole, they had to swing for the fences and try everything. In 1986, a person doing marketing for Kellogg's Nutrigrain suggested that he put ads on 10 million of their cereal boxes saying if you buy nutri you get a dozen roses for $14.99. They got 50,000 orders but didn't have enough florists across the country, so they invented a box that allowed them to ship roses overnight. They worked with FedEx to do it, and it got them known across the country. Everyone had told him that no one wanted to order flowers over the phone or use credit cards, but shipping orders overnight changed the way the floral industry did business. 1-800-Flowers continued to grow every year. Jim's younger brother became his business partner. His brother was always interested in new technology, so in 1991, he wanted to go online. Jim and his brother ended up having dinner with America Online's co-founder and 1-800-Flowers became the first company to do a transaction on the internet on America Online. The internet took over the world and 21 competitors in the floral and gift space emerged. 1-800-Flowers decided to go public in August of 1999 and raised $150 million, most of which they used to build a new technology platform for the company. Most of their competitors ended up going out of business. By the late 1990s, they had about $120 million in annual sales. Today, their revenue is over a billion dollars a year when you include their franchises and other companies owned. Now, this is from a guy that just bought a simple flower shop for $10,000 while he was a bartender. While he was a bartender and working in a group home, he bought a simple flower shop for $10,000. Now he has a multi-billion dollar a year business. Let's now take a look at Jim's top keys to success. Number one, manage individuals, not groups. Jim says that his job as CEO is to understand people, motivate them, And keep score. People want to love, be loved, and be trusted. So establish a relationship with everyone individually and know that each relationship is going to be different. Number two, look after your employees. When the recession hit in 2008, 1 800 Flowers had to cut 10% of their workforce, which was very painful. They put together job banks and followed people until about 3 of the until all but 3 of the 300 were reemployed. Happily, they have been able to rehire some as well. And number 3, share the wealth. Business is the engine of a community. If you run your company only for a profit, there's no return to serve stakeholders and your vendors, communities and customers. Good business creates more capital, so there's more to go around for everyone. Profile number two, Tila Holcomb. Now, Tila was a former government contractor in Las Vegas, Nevada. As a contractor, Tila was making $70,000 a year. Now, while she was making $70,000, she lived off of $50,000 a year. She would invite people over for a bottle of wine to watch Scandal instead of spending money to go out. Tila was a single mom and she took advantage of her job's flexible spending account, which allowed her to use pre tax dollars for childcare. In 2009, she read The Complete Turtle Trader by a Wall Street trader who taught basic investing techniques to random people off the street. Now, if you all remember, we talked about this investor a few weeks ago, his name is Richard Dennis. Now, Richard borrowed $1,600 from his family and friends and made $200 million in 10 years from that original $1,600. So she found this book and said, you know what? I'm going to read this book. Now, these regular people off the street that Richard Dennis taught made $175 million in five years. Now, after Tila read the book, she became inspired. She approached investing as if she was in school, practicing and studying for nine months before finally starting to invest with $3,000 off the money that she had saved. Since that initial investment, she invested another $70,000 and has grown it. To three times that. Her strategy is trend trading. She finds trends in stocks that occur at the same time each year due to the fiscal policy, changes in the international economy, and general shifts in supply and demand. For example, she discovered that Amazon stocks tend to go up every May and this year she made over $900 on that alone. Her goal was to retire in 2014 but in 2012 she got laid off. Tila was devastated until she realized that she had already been matching, sometimes exceeding her paychecks just from trading. Then she rolled $41,000 from her 401k into a Roth IRA so that she could invest that as well. Now, Tila advises to be careful if you do this because you will still have to pay taxes and fees on the rollover amount. Within eight months, her initial investment grew to $97,000. Tila officially retired at age 29. She now based in, she's now based in Las Vegas with her daughter and her husband. Her husband works two months out of the year by choice, but she supports her family financially. Right now, her net worth is $600,000, and in two years, she's projecting it to be worth $1 million. Now, although she's retired, she teaches and gives talks on money occasionally, Tila says that when she worked, she was too drained to enjoy life outside of the office, and now she feels the complete opposite. She will check stocks twice a day for about 20 minutes, but otherwise, she's free to do whatever she wants all day, every day. Now, Jordan Belfort said it best when he said, without action, the best intentions in the world are nothing more than that intentions. And the great Zig Ziglar said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. The main reason why people don't accomplish their goals and be all that they can become in life is because they fail to take action. You can make all the plans in the world. You can have the greatest of intentions, but until you take action, absolutely nothing happens. The only way to get from where you're currently at to where it is that you want to go is to take action. So if all we need to do is act, why is it so hard for people to get out of their comfort zones and take action? Let's take a look at a few of the reasons why people never take action. Number one, they fall victim to others' opinions. We shouldn't always listen to the opinions of others no matter how much they may seem to know. What worked for them may not work for us. And what would they, and what they failed at may be what we excel at. Don't ever let anyone determine what you can excel at. Number two, their friends or family don't have the same aspirations. Now, your family and friends are the people you spend the most time with. We are attached to them. And it's a great thing to have loyal family and friends in our lives, but many people fail to act because these people don't have the same aspirations as them in life. Instead, they get sucked into what their friends are doing and forget all about the possibilities that could have been waiting for them if they would have taken action. Number three, they only listen to the opportunities that are given to them. We all love to use the quote that says, Good things come to those who wait. But the real question is, what are you doing while you wait? Some people think that opportunities that are given to them are the only ones that they will ever get. For them, there's no such thing as creating your own opportunities in life. When we are younger, we are given opportunities mostly from our parents, our teachers, and family, and our friends. However, once we get older, nobody hands us opportunities anymore. It's our job to go out in the world and create opportunities regardless of how big or small the opportunities may be. Number four. They don't believe they are smart enough. When people meet others who have enormous amounts of knowledge behind the words that come out of their mouth, they instantly think that this person must just be naturally smart. The majority of the time, the person struggled more than we can even possibly realize. They went through a lot to get to where they're at. But we also have to remember that if they did it, we can do it too. If if and only if we are willing to do what they did to get to where they are at. Number five, they can't be bothered. Some people just can't be bothered to do anything ambitious. It's just too much effort for them and they would rather skate through life without having to lift too many fingers. Number six, their ideas seem too ambitious. We have to remember that ideas are supposed to be ambitious. This is the only way that we can live our dream life and not just an average one. Many people come up with these incredibly ambitious ideas and then somewhere along the line, they convince themselves that it's pretty much impossible and there's no point in taking the action needed to achieve their dreams and desires. There's no such thing as an idea that's too ambitious. We just have to keep in mind that the more ambitious an idea, the more difficult it may be to achieve it. So the more work that we will have to put in. Number seven, they think it's too late. Even if you lived a significant portion of your life, it's not too late to start acting on your dreams. We've talked about so many times, so many people that are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s doing incredible things. It's never too late. You know when it's too late? It's too late when you're six feet under. If you are still alive and breathing, it is not too late. Number eight, they think every good idea has already been done. People often like to say that every good idea has already been done, therefore it's impossible to take action, but that isn't the problem. The problem lies within their creativity and being able to unlock the full power of their imagination. People that struggle with this kick themselves when they see someone else introduce an idea that they came up with years before. Now, how many times has that happened to you where you've seen something just come out and bam, you're like, man, I came up with that idea five years ago. Now somebody that just came up with it last year or last week is a millionaire off an idea that I got five years ago. Number nine, they failed once. One of the biggest reasons and silliest reasons why people never take action on their ideas is because they failed once before at something very similar. To protect themselves from that same mistake They decide to just not do anything. And number 10, they lack self-confidence. Self-confidence is the key to any success in life. Without that confidence in yourself, you won't take the action needed because you will feel you are wasting your time. Let's now take a look at a few reasons why we must stop wasting time and take action now. Number one, no one is coming to save you. Now, even though this may sound a little harsh, the sooner that people realize this, the quicker their lives will improve. Personal responsibility is essential to improve and control your own life. You can blame your problems on anyone else, but it won't help you in the long run. Your life is your responsibility, and it's up to you to create it the way you choose to. Number two, if you don't apply the knowledge, then it's just a waste of your time. Now, listening to these calls every week and reading books or listening to other podcasts can make you feel good. Reading positive and helpful material can help motivate you, especially if you're surrounded by negativity. But many people fool themselves into thinking that reading in some way will replace action or that reading will magically take care of their problems. If you don't apply what you learn, then you're just wasting your time number three you understand by doing when we read a lot it's easy for us to fool ourselves into thinking that we understand what we're reading or how to do certain things the thing is you never really understand anything until you experience it The knowledge you get from learning will help you to avoid the pitfalls and improve quicker, but it can't relate to how it feels to experience the thing. Now, one of my favorite quotes from Confucius is, to know and not to do is not to know. Let me repeat that. To know and not to do is not to know. Number four, you raise your self-esteem. When you take action and you see yourself starting to succeed, it will help to build your self-esteem. Even if it's a small action, just start. And once you complete that small task, keep moving on to bigger actions. Before you know it, you will start to amaze yourself. And number five, time will pass no matter what you do. We all only have a limited time on earth. We can't afford to wait because we don't know when our time will be up. Not one of us can stop time. Time is going to pass, so we might as well start moving towards our goals. Now, let's now take a look at a nine-step action plan we can practice every week to help get us closer to our goals and desires. Number one, identify a clear reason for a desired goal. If you don't have a reason, If you don't have a reason why you need to accomplish that goal, you will not accomplish that goal. You have to have a reason why. Number two, view this desired outcome as a positive change. Number three, develop a routine of self discipline, focusing on progressing towards your goal and not regressing. To help you do this, use time management techniques to help you. Prioritize your goal progression daily by staying persistent in choosing your desired outcome again and again. Number four, increase your self-belief by recognizing that it is your limiting beliefs that are slowing you down and impeding your progress toward your desired goals. And number two, replace your limiting beliefs with a new More powerful belief. Number five, write down your action plan to achieve a desired action. Make sure to include all the specifics as well as completion dates. Number six, commit to your daily plan of action by setting morning goals with priorities to achieve the action steps and evening reflections. This is very important to go back in the evening and reflect on what you've done, where you analyze the steps that you've taken for the day. Number seven, find an accountability partner to share your daily goals progress with. Number eight, reward yourself weekly for staying on track. And number nine, repeat items one through eight. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. Want to remind you, If you want to go back and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the previous shows, we have over 150-something shows that we've recorded, so you can go back and listen to any one of them. The website is www.powerhh.com, or you can find me on iTunes in the podcast section. Now, I know you have three friends that could have benefited from what we talked about today, so make sure you share this with them. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, The secret of getting ahead is starting. The secret of getting started is breaking your tasks into smaller, manageable tasks and then starting on the first one. And that's from Mark Twain. Thank you much and until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week.
0: To a passing lance. And when you get the choice To sit it out or Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens. Promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance. And when you get the choice to sit it out. Plus.